0: Hello, I'm Andrew G. Marshall. Welcome to The Meaningful Life. One of the building blocks for a meaningful life, in my opinion, is the ability to relax, have fun, and sometimes be silly. Sadly, the sheer seriousness of earning a living, raising a family, and finding our way in the world can overwhelm us. One of the great ways of breaking out of this restrictive mindset is to flirt. My witness today belongs to the same organisation as I do, but we've not met before. Kate McKenzie is a COSRAT-accredited psychosexual therapist and couples counsellor specialising in emotionally-focused therapy and internal family systems. She's run workshops in six countries since 1993, using creativity to help people open their hearts. Unfortunately, flirting is a topic which sends lots of people into panic. If you're considering dating again, you'll probably be like a deer in the headlights and tell yourself, I can't do that. If you're in a long term couple, you probably stopped flirting a long time ago, but it can be a powerful tool for increasing intimacy and the frequency of your lovemaking. Another problem area with flirting is boundaries. I can't tell you how many couples will argue about where harmless flirting ends and chatting up someone begins, so I'm really looking forward to getting to grips with the topic. Of flirting. So, welcome, Kate.
2: Thank you very much, Andrew. Wonderful to be with you.
0: I've been thinking about what prepares you to be a love coach and teach people how to flirt. And my guess is you're either it came entirely naturally to you and you were one of the popular girls at school, or you had no idea whatsoever and had to learn the hard way. Am I right? It's both
2: and, both and. So, naturally, very friendly and gregarious and grew up in a very sociable home and people very open about a lot of things. And on the other side, I was brought up at strictly religiously Catholic oh. and went to Catholic schools and went to all girls secondary school where sex was really not on the agenda. And, you know, boys, for example, were not allowed near the school. So it became a bit of a mystery. Does that make sense? Mm. It became uh, quite mysterious. Anyone who knew a boy was pretty exotic. So and some people had brothers. So it was, so there was, you know, there's this kind of mix of what I grew up around, which was quite open and free and friendly and gregarious and then then religiously educated. So I think it gives me on one hand, certain experiences which were open and free in my background, but also great awareness of what it might be like for people who have, who have parts that have restricted them. I can understand both sides of the coin. And I've had to learn myself, if you see what I mean.
0: And so when you finally met boys and you know there was no nun in the corner of the room, making certain you weren't dancing too close, what was it like?
2: Well, I think this is the thing, which is probably why I teach flirting. I was Terribly serious. So, you know, if somebody paid me attention, we were going to get married. I was falling in love, you know. So I was that classic stand up comedian woman who thinks the man selling her a drink is flirting with her. So I was terribly serious. I was writing a lot of poetry and, and writing music. Do you know that type of very serious teenage girl? And everything was important and terribly serious of course, I had loads of unrequited love. I actually now think it was all very, very sweet because I hung out and wrote poems and had all these deep and meaningful chats with lots of people. And But I didn't have that raucous teenagehood that some people might have had. And I think part of flirting is reclaiming that. Part of what I might be helping people with is reclaiming parts that they may have missed out on. And those teenage, that playful, fun, Kissing people, trying things out is important. And it's part of flirting. It's part of growing up. And uh, I didn't do it, but I did do it later. So,
0: so why do you think we're so paralyzed by the idea of flirting?
2: I think the thing is, we have all these different parts to us. So we might have a part that's natural or not, depending on what happened with our caregivers. You know, when we're a, a baby, literally, depending on how your your caregivers attuned to you. We have this thing called yielding, letting go, pushing. You know, if you look at babies, they push and then they grasp and they pull. And if you look at lovers, they do the thing. They yield, surrender, grasp, pull. But let's just say you didn't get some of that. Let's just say your caregivers ignored you, didn't allow you. Let's say you tried to reach and grasp and pull and they just went, go away, go away. We haven't got time for you. And what we call um the arms, we call them reaching. These are reaching muscles. Mm -hmm. And some people, they've just pulled back. They've just got used to not reaching out, grasping, or even yielding, letting go into something. And so part of my job might be even somatically to say what's happening in your body when you're dating. And I might find that someone's literally pulling their arms back, but when they're with friendship, they're like free or they're working. So we can have parts that feel fine to be friendly when we're doing a job, But suddenly, if it's to do with sexual attraction, oh no, I'm pulling back. And part of my job might be to track and navigate what parts are going on. And literally, what are you doing physically in those different moments? And we might find out why they're giving the message that they're not attracted and why nothing is happening in that arena. Or with a couple as well, same thing.
0: So talking about when we were babies... And you've said there are parents that sort of hold you at a distance or try and control you. What about the sort of parents that sort of want to eat you up? Does that have an impact on how you might date?
2: So everything has an impact. Everything completely from being brought up religiously, from parents that encourage things. So it all depends how you receive it, the impact on you. But parents that adored you and loved you, it may be that you're really comfortable with touch or if you were encouraged to dance in your home, you may be really comfortable with that. So people may have areas they're very comfortable with and areas they're not. What we want to do is get your team on board. If you have different parts, what can happen when dating, flirting, or even being in a relationship, you might have a part that's really flowing and then a part goes, stop that right now. Don't do this, or that's going to be overwhelming. Or if your parents ate you up and did that, you might take that into the world and other people may have different parts. So, there's internal consent. There's consent, like you said, boundaries to negotiate with other people and how they work, if that makes sense.
0: Now, I'm beginning to think that flirting is actually a far more complex subject than just sort of picking people up. So, Let's actually break out the different parts of flirting, because my suspicion is, in a sort of kind of way, there's an element of us flirting together with each other. So help me understand what we mean by flirting.
2: So flirting is lightness, frippery, bringing lightness to the table. If you think about it, it's an art, it's an art form, and there are lots of levels and stages of flirting. And they, they make life smoother. We all need structure. We need buildings, but without a few cushions and sofas, it wouldn't be so comfortable. So we need communication. We need contracts. We need all kinds of things. But without a few hellos and thank yous, things won't run so smoothly. So flirting is the natural way. If you look at puppy dogs and little children, they open their eyes wide and they reach out and they expect if they're quite happy dogs or happy little children, they expect to be responded to and they go and they reach. Like I said, reach and pull and connect and they expect a goodwill. So flirting, what we say is, is that if you're prepared, you can prepare for good things to happen. What does that mean? Is that often people think it's easy to be an entrepreneur, set up a business, date, have a relationship. And yes, maybe some people are natural at it, but actually they're based on skill sets and flirting is a skill set. One skill set is friendly flirting. That would be shopping in your local supermarket or dealing with your doctor or professionals or different people. Another one is service, perhaps to your community, your family, friends. Another one is building friendship, putting time in, dating your friends. Another one's dating yourself. So flirting with yourself is a really huge key. And again, these are all on certain levels, maybe a heart level or a head level. But what a lot of people don't realize is also you are communicating with your body what you actually want. So if you want to communicate sexual interest, that's a different level of flirting, but it needs to be done in stages.
0: So. Give me the difference between, you know, I'm at a conference or I'm at a party and I want to make contacts with people and I want to build alliances, but, you know, I'm not at all interested in going to bed with them. So explain how to flirt under those circumstances. And then we'll look at how to flirt if, you know, I had sexual interest in that person. And so we can understand the difference because it seems to be not just about intention.
2: So always in this, Aspect of life is about recognizing body, tone, and pace. What does that mean? It means noticing and taking the time to find the right moment to say hello. So if you went to a conference and you sat near some people, if you could sit and wait for a moment, relax your body, because we meet nervous system to nervous system. So if you're relaxed and then you wait for a moment and it looks like there's a window, like the person turns their head slightly towards you, and there's an opening. There may be an opening to say, oh, hi. And a very neutral question like, how far did you come to get here today? Is an open. And the reason why safety is always the key. So with anything, being at a conference or you know meeting a new doctor or whatever, safety is always the key. Hi, hello, a neutral question, and then maybe your name or something interesting. But you take it in stages, very much like sex. You take it in stages. It's unlikely people would start with intercourse because it would, but it could be for some people, but it's unlikely. Often people will have built rapport, kiss, cuddle, get naked, do various things before they go to certain places. The same with flirting. You always want to start with very neutral, but you want to, if you wait, breathe, see, and just check just notice we have something called resonance. So one thing is words. Words are what we hear people say. Resonance is what we feel they're communicating from their body and their feelings. So we will get both, but sometimes we're not noticing resonance. With flirting, you want to notice resonance. So when you're sat down in the conference, sat next to a person, just take a couple of moments to notice. Does it feel like there's a window? Does it feel like they're available? And the window might arrive might be there settling, their books in their bag. And then you just notice they're there and you just might say a little gentle hello. Always gentle. So someone can back out if they want to, and then that can build. So a lot of flirting is attunement. And really good flirts flirt a lot, a lot of the time. So they're practiced in it we also need to get in the zone to flirt. It's not, you know, we have to warm up basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So really, if – and I'm I'm going to divide the different kinds of people who – would be listening to this programme are going to be interested in flirting. I Just for people to understand, I'm going to do, if you're sort of a long-term dater and you feel that you're terrible at dating and it's not going very well, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at new daters. These are people who perhaps have been in a long-term relationship and they're crawling out of the wreckage and they're saying, right, life goes on, and how they start to flirt. Um, we're going to do flirting for couples because it is really important that as well as being husband and wife, that you're lovers. And flirting is a great way of remaining lovers. And then we're going to talk about boundaries and when it comes to overstepping the boundaries. And I think, particularly if you're recovering from infidelity, these boundaries and your partner talking to somebody at a conference becomes really quite difficult, or more likely at a party, where does it end between, hello, you know, we might have an interest, a shared interest in Game of Thrones, to where does that end? And, you know, I fancy you and I want to have your babies begins. So let's start with the experience daters. What mistakes do experience daters make? By this, I mean people who are long-term single, who have perhaps had many relationships, but they've never actually quite found the right person. And they're feeling a little bit sort of pessimistic about it, you know, that it doesn't really work. There's a lot of, I'm sorry, I'm going to use an unfortunately unpleasant word, crap out there. And it always seems that I dive into it. So if you've been burned a lot by dating, what do you think is going wrong?
2: So one, it's not easy to date. And I have met people who found it easy to date. And I think it can become easy to date, but I just want to really recognize, I think dating is a bit like doing stand up comedy or going out singing a song for the first time. You know, you're regularly putting yourself out there for effectively a job interview. That's about you. Am I good enough for you? Are you good enough for me? So I think it's exposing. It's vulnerable. It's difficult. So I just want to put that out there that I think it's a really big deal and I really celebrate anyone doing that. And I think also nowadays there's all different considerations like swiping right, swiping left. There's all kinds of ways that, that it's, it's quite challenging for people. Having said that, I just want to encourage people, if they'd like to be encouraged, that it's understandable that cynical parts are going to come in. And they're going to go on the date and go, is this person right? Do they tick certain boxes? You know, especially if people have come to a certain place in their life and they feel like they've got certain things sorted and they feel good, they're going to go maybe even from two seconds in. Do they fit? They're going to be looking for signals that there's something wrong with the person. And this is perhaps where it might go wrong.
0: As long as two seconds, they're
2: going to wait. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, it's probably before they've met them. Very good point. The photo with different things in the photos and those other people in the photos. Exactly. exactly. I think. I
0: think even before you've, you've sat down, there's a I tendency agree. to think. I agree. Yes. No. There.
2: I agree. I agree. So, what my suggestion would be to people is that they add a huge amount of fun into their lives, and they make dating a very small part of the life. So dating ideally would be an hour and a quarter, hour and a half at the most. And it's a small chunk of life, not the whole thing. So what I've often experienced is people do dating in binges. They'll do lots of dating and then get worn out and think that doesn't work. And my suggestion would be that you have fun with friends, with exercise or dancing or hobbies or whatever it is. Make sure your life is really fun and dating, you fit around it. And you you even time the, if you're doing online dating, you time that to be like half an hour a day that you're going to just look at stuff. So that it's just part, just like um cleaning your house or whatever you're doing in your life. Dating is part. And so you can show up as a self-supporting, reasonable person that can calm down some of those critical parts that wants to kind of get rid of everybody at once and can take it in stages, get to know someone. A lot of people have become friends with someone first and then decided, oh, I really like this person. So, you know, but if we don't make it smaller, I've met tons of people who've had a whole relationship in a day and chucked them at the end of the day (laughs) on text. Don't do that. Don't text. Texting should be ideally arrangements and niceties, like thank you, lovely to meet you. So the other thing is people are not psychic. Do tell them if you like them.
0: I often find people say, you know, I'm actually really successful at work. Unfortunately, this is women. You know, I get things done there, but somehow my love life is a complete and utter shambles. What's going on there? Well,
2: again, that makes so much sense to me because at work they're possibly in control. And
0: most definitely. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Dating is very vulnerable. And so that also can take a lot of practice, how to be vulnerable, especially for everybody, but maybe especially for certain women, how can you be vulnerable and feel safe? And that's, for me, I would say get a load of women friends that you meet regularly, you check in all the difficulties, dance, because what's brilliant about dancing is it's vulnerable. You're know, you practicing moving your body in all different ways. Even if you did it by yourself in your home, practicing letting go and being vulnerable. So in your job, you may be fully in charge. Where do you let go and be vulnerable? But if you go into a date and take charge, that's no fun for someone to ask you out. And what I find is sometimes people go into the date, they like the person very much, but then they want to arrange the next date, the next date, and they want to tell them how to date. They want to tell them how it should be. And I understand it, but people think it's a way of, I'm being really real and honest because this is what I want and how I want it. But it can come across as controlling, which is not attractive.
0: I sort of think sometimes it's helpful to think of different energies and the difference between warrior energy and lover energy. And this is both men and women have warrior energy, which is very task orientated rather than the sort of lover energy, which is sort of more warm and fuzzy I mean, in some ways, the warrior energy is really good because it's good for making an assessment of the terrain and when to go on the offensive. But actually, you need to bring the lover energy rather than the warrior energy on the date. It's not being somebody different, but it's actually getting into some of the different energies within yourself.
2: I love that. I really love that because it fits with the whole parts, recognizing there's different parts of us. And what I do is I ask people about their wardrobes. Oh. And yes, and and, and what's your dating wardrobe? And what I found often is people are wearing their work clothes to a date. No, <laughs> you, 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 you want to make a change. You want to become a different person. You're not a different person. You want to move into a different energy, just like you're saying, Andrew, and you want to change your energy. Now that might be a, a short walk in a park listening to a seven-minute meditation, whatever it is, to do an energy change. Otherwise, I have met women who've gone to the date with their briefcase and their suit, and they've interviewed a guy for half an hour and found him wanting and left. That's not a date.
0: And they're probably just before the man arrives, they've written three emails to work colleagues. So, they're entirely in their work warrior energy. And warrior energy is fabulous, but probably two warriors are not going to make sweet love together.
2: No, exactly that because you're head to head and you want to melt and receive. Now that can take quite a lot of work and building the skill sets to learn how to be in your receiving mode and learn how to express desires rather than tell someone what they should do. Now people think it's the same thing, but it's entirely different and that can take quite a lot of confidence, especially if you haven't grown up with being able to express your desires. If you've grown up with just achieving or perhaps in a religious background or perhaps in some kind of structures, it can take quite a lot to even get in touch with the desires. Mm. To then Mae West said, you know, sex is the emotion in the emotion. So ah. we have to actually build the emotion Not enough to even think it. I want a date. I want a relationship. You have to feel that, embody that, and really allow that. And people respond to that. And then when you use that, I really, I really fancy you. I really miss you.
0: Ooh.
2: I'm feeling lonely tonight, (laughs) right? I'm feeling
0: it, Kate. I'm feeling it. (laughs)
2: Thank you, Andrew. Then there's impact, but it's not. You should have sex with me. We've now had six dates. It's to see. It's a different.
0: Yeah, stay away from me, Kate. I can just. <laughs> f- I can feel the different energy in just those two things. Yes, yes. So it's it's invitational. And um, what about men? What mistakes do they make? I mean, I think we all make mistakes in
2: all different ways. But what I've noticed with men, and this is very general you know, and we're not all the same. So please excuse me. This is a bit general, but some men are very slow to pick up, pick up the hints. And when I say slow, I mean, six months in, you know, and this, you're talking about heterosexual relationships and perhaps that, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but some heterosexual men, they will have missed and missed and missed. Women could be crawling all over them and they're not sure that she likes them, you know? So there's a, And there's good reasons, again, perhaps religious backgrounds, perhaps kind of not wanting to be a perpetrator or a rapist or, you know, in the Wheel of Consent by Betty Martin, there's a quadrant and the, the take quadrant, which is about taking, is one of the most difficult pieces for people because they're afraid of that.
0: We'll we'll put the details of Betty Martin's website in the show notes. There'll also be obviously details about Kate as well. And Mm. there's a lot of very useful ideas about consent in that. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to go over them today. But if you're really interested in this area, it is exceedingly uh, useful work. So now let us look at some people who I would be thinking they're asking the question to their friends and their therapists How do you know when you're ready to date again?
2: Do you know, I think sometimes people are coming in because they think they should be in a relationship. They think they should be with someone. I had someone who brought me all the way to Liverpool to run a workshop because she wanted a partner. And by the end of the day, she realised she wanted to run a business helping women.
0: Good investment of time, that wasn't it? Really,
2: really good because she was surprised and I was surprised because was a lot of effort. She brought me in with a lot of people, but what a big piece for her. She realized that's where her heart was. And that's where she took her heart. I've had other women who come in and they had decided their work was going well, their home was going well, various things were going well, and now there should be a partner. And they did the homeworks, and they're like, no one's showing up, no one's correct. And I'm like, do you want someone? And actually, when we really got to the bottom of it, no, they weren't ready. And I said, well, that's fair enough, you know, and uh, you don't have to. And another person really wanted someone. But when we got to the bottom of it, they were really afraid because they'd had a relative who had suffered with serious mental health issues over a difficult relationship. And this was underneath not letting dates go further. And so once we looked at that, they were able to let someone in. So finding your own internal consent is often dealing with these different, sometimes burdens, burdens as in issues from relatives or other people, or sometimes things that have happened to you, or sometimes fear based on other experiences.
0: Because if your marriage is broken down, there is a great desire to have intimacy again and to actually get out. I mean, personally, my partner died when I was something like thirty seven. and you know, so to, to say I dated far too soon would be an understatement. And you know it wasn't a disaster, but um I caused myself quite a bit of heartache and some really nice people a bit some heartache as well. And it sort of takes quite a long time. My suspicion is that people are going to date too soon. And I just wonder how people with tender hearts can sort of date and learn and find their footsteps into this world without actually giving themselves too much heartache.
2: Such a good point. And I'm so sorry, Andrew, about what happened for you with
0: With your partner. Don't worry, it was like twenty five years ago now. So, you know long since recovered. But I know and I know from friends that when you have something really harmful and painful, you want to feel better. And one of the ways of feeling better is new relationship energy. But it's sort of a bit like feeling better by, you know, (laughs) drinking a whole bottle of champagne.
2: Yeah, no, very good point. The strange thing is, Andrew, is that there's no one rule as you know so i agree with you the process of grief is there and is needs to be taken but incredible things happen for different people you know so a friend of mine's mother lost her husband of 50 years and met a guy within 2 months and she's really happy my friend was deeply shocked because she couldn't fathom it she, she couldn't fathom how could how could but she's come, it's a year and a half now, and she's come to see that her mother just needed to, needed to, and actually it's worked out. So, you know, there are a lot of people who meet people very quickly after a loss, very quickly. And some people don't. And yes, maybe there should be a time, but each person's so unique. And I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, I often am working with people who are dating people who've just come out of relationships And so they're Ah. often with the people who aren't ready, aren't really ready, you know? So it's, it's tricky.
0: What advice do you give when you're dating somebody who is not really ready and maybe are talking quite a bit about their ex and your dates?
2: What I really guide people on is make sure you're doing your self care. You're having fun. You're having a lovely time so that if someone says something triggering, you can very sweetly say, Is it okay if we, if you just talk, just don't talk about them too much, you know, just very gentle boundaries. So you're not being harsh. You're not being pushing away, but you're not letting them go on and on about the ex, but you're also not bringing great bitterness or offense. Like you keep talking about your ex. No, you're just gently, you know, ah, thank you for bringing her up, sweetie. But, you know, would it be okay if you just put that to the side for the moment and we have our date, you know? Mm -hmm. So be very gentle, very gentle, very sweet.
0: So I'm going to quote you here, because I think this is really good and I'd like you to expand on it. I believe we don't get what we want, we get who we are. We meet frequency to frequency. So unpack that for me.
2: Thank you very much. What that means is, let's say you're in a relationship and you're feeling desperate for connection, for sex, for intimacy with your partner. In that desperate place, there's something in couple work from, I think, family work actually originally, but it's in lots of modalities where we call the cycle that the negative cycle can get activated where one person pursues, then the other person withdraws. So if somebody's feeling desperate and they've got those primary feelings of where are you, but what they're doing is telling the part, they come in and go, where are you? And they're telling you should be with me and and there's a fight, but if that same person went and went and did their saunas and their spas and their dancing and had a load of fun and was having a really great time and feeling really good. And then they came back through the door and said, hi, sweetie. How are you? And, um, maybe gave them a cuddle and a hug. That's a different response to you haven't given me sex for six weeks and you haven't been doing this. So. What happens in then is you're bringing in the bubble, the partner's a bonus and the partner's invited into that bubble. Now, whether they come into the bubble or not, that's another story. And then there's other choices. But when we try and force our partner or our dates to be what we want them to be, it doesn't work. But when we are the bubble, when we are the joy, it invites other people into our joy. So what happens often is when I'm working with people, I might check what's in their diary for fun? What are they doing for fun and for hobbies? And that changes things. and It changes the dating and it changes who they meet because they're going around much happier and they, they vibrate at that level and they get that level. If you look at polyvagal theories, maybe they're more in their ventral vagal. They're more in a regulated state.
0: So let's move on to couples, because it's something I believe in, and I think you believe in it too. You want to flirt and date your partner. That's just as important after 20 dates as it is after 20 years. In fact, possibly it's more important after 20 years that you are still sort of flirting and dating and showing, showing the love. So- how do we go from being protected, because, you know, let's face it, our partners really know how to push our buttons, to being relaxed and open, which is probably what we need to make these intimate connections. Any suggestions?
2: Ah, oh, it's so lovely the way you put that, Andrew. I really like that, protected to open. Again, it's just like the dating people. So, in early dating with partners, probably people were having fun doing fun things, dressing up, thinking about what their underwear was like, because things might happen tonight. You never know. And then often early dating, people were doing like babies do. They're doing the yielding, pushing, pulling. They were just feeling like they had permission to do that connecting and cuddling. So again, if you're 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, good lovers put practices in. So that would be with yourself, first of all, get yourself warmed up, because it takes a lot of courage to build that desire, especially if you didn't get it from your caregivers growing up. It can take a lot of courage.
0: So, And particularly if your partner's been really negative recently, you know, you've, exactly. re- you've really that's really putting yourself out there, isn't it?
2: Exactly. I believe that we also need community, tons of it. So I believe we need lots of friendship, lots of hobbies, lots of groups. So my suggestion would be that you really start to fill all your pots up as much as you can daily. Think about daily things, exercise, fun, play, people, whatever you need. Listening to improving podcasts. Exactly. Andrew G. Marshall. That's a very good one. And then think about your home. Have you got your special cozy sofa? Like, Think about the space in your home. Think about inviting that into your home. Think about dressing up more. So what happens often in a relationship we get relaxed and we don't do it anymore. We don't create that mystery. So think about that, your clothing, your style. Think about how you're coming in. Think about dating your partner, taking your partner on dates. Now, really good lovers flirt all the time because what they realize is they're building that milieu. They're building that connection. So they're sending sweet texts, sweet nothings. They're saying nice things. They, they've got flowers in the home. They've, they're building that atmosphere. So
0: sort of in jokes between the two of you.
2: Mm, yeah. That's intimate too, isn't it? That's intimate. And, and it's also like, if you have got, you know, one person anxiously attached and one person avoidantly attached, if you've got that, then bringing that sweet flirting, because sometimes an avoidantly attached person may be, be keeping away, and the anxiously attached person may be reaching and reaching, but what they do is they they'll tell the person to do housework rather than say, "Hey, sweetie, I've missed your sweet booty around here. Where have you been?" You know, so it's like those languaging and the resonance, how you are in your body, that's where your nervous system, your how much you're relaxing in your body, is important. Because it's not just what you're saying. I've got a friend, she's I've been helping a friend, she's been practicing saying sweet things to her husband. She said, But inside Kate, I felt bitter. And I said, Hmm, do a gratitude list because that bitterness, he'll he'll feel it. You, you you can't say the sweet thing and feel bitter. It's not gonna work. You <laughs> Come wanna here, get the... sweetie <laughs> Well that's, that that sounded quite good, actually. That sounded quite good. You could get
0: <laughs> I was channeling my inner Betty Davis there.
2: That was good. I was really good. Yeah, that could work. But um, I think she was seething. All right. And um, and I said to her, how, do you say, how about saying my sweet baboo, my sweet list? She went, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I said, well, write a gratitude list and then see how you feel. And they they had a great night. They went out for dinner and they had an amazing night. She didn't even tell him the gratitude list, but she got herself resonating with, oh, lucky me. Great guy.
0: So one of the other things I'd like to talk about is flirting and boundaries. I know lots of people, or I don't, actually don't know them, they have clients of mine, where one of them is complaining that the other is too friendly.
1: So, yes.
0: you know, we want to be outgoing, we want to put positive energy out into the world, we want to go out and meet the world with a smile. How do we not give out the wrong kind of messages and people start thinking that we're Up for it all the time when actually we just want to find out about something to do with this person.
2: It's a really good point. This happens a huge amount. And I think it's a normal part of life, actually, these kind of consent issues, boundary issues, agreement issues. And I think, one, it's about becoming conscious because I think I come across a lot of people who say, People think I'm flirting. People think I'm flirting. I'm not flirting. And I had that very much in my early 20s as well where it seemed like people were assuming I was flirting with them in a certain way that I did not have that in my mind. And I decided to become way more conscious because I thought something's going on. Because it's, if it's more than two people telling you you're flirting, if, then it's worth looking at because we can be very unconscious about certain parts of us. And if our partner's getting regularly upset, they may have a part that's overly jealous, but do you have a part that's leaking energy? Do you have a part that's rebelling? Or do you need to talk about this and and make certain agreements in new ways in your relationship? What's going on? Is there something going on for the two of you? So it may be that you need to talk about this, but it can be really, really useful to work this out because sometimes in a relationship, let's just say a heterosexual relationship where the woman partner is, like you said, in warrior mode, working, doing all this kind of stuff, and she's on it right it can happen in a relationship
0: and if you've got three children you have to be on it don't you
2: you do you do and let's say the man in the heterosexual man in this case goes to a party and there's a woman displaying much more vulnerability and maybe even need and he's enjoying that he's getting pleasure from that so part of our job my job might be to see okay what's he meeting in himself right because it will be a mirror of him, some vulnerability in him. But also, can we turn this around so his partner becomes more vulnerable, so he's focused on her? How can we work with this as a system? Like, There's a system going on here, and how can we make it so this works for the two of them together? It might be addressing his vulnerability needs, because maybe he's feeling pushed out at some level, so he's seeking somewhere else, maybe. And how can she be the person that he looks after, if that's the case? That may be one configuration
0: because sometimes if you're getting a lot of pleasure out of flirting it can be and i don't know if you would agree with me that actually you need a lot of outside attention because somehow inside you don't feel that valuable do you think i'm i'm onto something here
2: definitely but there also can be in the idea of internal family systems we have this idea of protectors managers and exiles And there can be this idea that yes, exactly like you're saying, we have these young parts, exiled parts that aren't being met and looked after. And so sometimes we're going out wanting to rescue people or flirt with people outside our connection, possibly if that's a monogamous relationship, if that's what you want, but actually we're wanting to rescue ourselves, exactly like you're saying. And so what can we do to do a U-turn to say, what do those parts need? And what can we do in the relationship so that it changes around. So they're inside the protective systems. They're both inside the love bubble so that he is not going out of the system to go and meet that need of rescuing vulnerability. He's doing it within himself and he can stay inside the love bubble together. And that's about how they are resonating and how they are talking to each other. So rather than reacting, they're responding inside the love bubble and they are protecting each other. So maybe he or she, whoever's flirting, wants to protect the love bubble. And also there's nothing wrong with flirting with tons of people, but it depends how it's impacting them and what's going on for them and why. Flirting could be great if you bring that energy back to the relationship. Mm. It could be fantastic.
0: So instead of leaving all the flirty energy outside the relationship, bring it into the relationship as well. Flirt with your partner too.
2: Yeah. like You've bubbled yourself up potentially. So you could be at the party, flirt with someone, and then go back and check on your partner. She's They're included. Mm-hmm. I think it's when they're not included. But again, there may be more to that picture. What's also happening for the partner? Do they not receive? Are they not flirting with themselves? How is their desire? How's their self-pleasure? Are they giving themselves time to have self-pleasure? Or do they feel like, no, I'm just Housewifer, you know, am I just looking after people? I'm not that doorway shut. How is it for them? Because maybe they're not allowing that in their lives too.
1: The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Please follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook, and visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material and other benefits.
0: So one of the great advantages of being a supporter of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall is you get to write in, and I have one that feels appropriate to share with Kate today. How do I keep positive on the dating scene when I come across so much negativity? I'll be talking to someone and it seems to be going well. We're starting to find a date to meet up for a coffee or something and they just disappear. Sometimes I'll have a really positive first date, good chemistry, interesting conversation, things in common, and we'll send back and forth a few messages and then nothing. Other times I meet up with someone but they seem wrapped up in an ex or dating several people at the same time what's happening? Is this something about me or is it dating in the modern age? Is it a numbers game and I'm going through a bad patch or do I need to change something? If so, I'm not quite certain what. So I think we need a bit of flirting first aid here.
2: So one, go you because you're doing it. You're in the game. Hurrah. Yes, well done. High five because I really think It's wonderful. You know, you're giving it a good shot. You're giving it a go and you're keeping going. So, you know, I want to celebrate that. I want to honor you. And this is not easy. And ideally, what we say is keep dating, keep many dates going because if not this one, someone better. Now, I'm hearing you, it feels like something's not traveling through. And what I would wonder is are there parts of you holding back? Mm. this is what I would wonder because you sound very positive and you sound like you're keeping going and it's like you're getting knockbacks so I'm wondering if you're expecting not knock, knockbacks I'm wondering if you're if there's parts of your system that are holding back because it's going well and then it's not going to a second date I'm really curious about what's happening between you and the chats and you in the second date i've worked with people who couldn't get to a second date and there was tension there was tension and nervousness i worked on the undatables with richard he could never get a second date and what we did was we just he kept saying things he kept saying things out of nerves and it would mean that he didn't get a second date so he said exactly the wrong things to the wrong people that meant they felt he was being rude in fact he was nervous So I would wonder what you're doing after the good chemistry and interesting conversation and the messages. I'm I'm wondering what's happening. I'm wondering how you're feeling after that first date. And I'm wondering, do you ask for a second date? Are you waiting for them to ask? And I'm wondering how available you feel. So I'm wondering what are you doing for your fun, for your reaching, for your desires? Are you enjoying yourself? I'm wondering what your hobbies are. I'm wondering how engaged you are. Are you dating you? And are you letting those dates carry on, like surfing or skating, or swimming, or whatever it would be right for you? Are you allowing your dates with you to carry on? Because there's something about that energy, something stopping here.
0: Right. So the things that this person is doing for him or herself?
2: Yes. Because there's something about the energy building, a bit like skill sets, you know, people think people just manage to date or have relationships or do all these things out of nothing. It's a skill set. It's based on understanding, meaning you get it intellectually, wisdom, seeing other people do it, and then experience. And we build on experience and we can get experiences by doing other things that feel good, like dating ourselves. So that means taking ourselves on fun date and building on that. So one salsa class ain't going to do it. It needs to be a building experience of dating yourself, which then helps us once we've started dating ourselves ourselves or whatever, it helps then to build dating experience with others because it's like two-year-olds. If you watch two-year-olds, they literally walk up to another two-year-old and literally fall on the floor. They don't even say anything and roll with an invitation. Do you want to roll with me? (laughs) It's really adorable. And this is what we're learning to do. But unless we're giving ourselves the experience of having that role with fun and play ourselves, then if we just date with no other fun in our lives, we're turning up more stiff. If we're doing other things that are bringing the fun in, it's more easy to be like that two year old and, and go, Hey, you know, I did crazy golf the other day. Would you fancy, would you fancy that? You know?
0: I I once read a blog which said that one of the ways of knowing if you're ready to date again or not is that you've got some new all encompassing hobby so that you are not actually relying on the dates for your full social life. Because if you are, you're going to get out of balance. But I think what they weren't saying in this blog, which I think you are saying is that it's really important Because it's actually feeding you. And if you've been fed, you can go out and feed other people in dates. But if you're expecting them to feed you, then you're probably going to be disappointed.
2: That's exactly it. Your partner, if you're in a relationship or your date, if you're dating, should be a bonus. You should be the tip top person with your community, your fun, your hobbies, your things that make you feel alive. And then. They're a bonus. And what happens is they get lifted off that. So even in a relationship, I've seen it many times. Even one person starts to bring themselves a light again and big changes can happen. But dating is the same. If I come alive, they may or may not be the right person for me, but I can still have an okay time for that hour and a quarter and go on and carry on with my life rather than all terrible, all depleting, all disappointing.
0: Well, thank you very much, Kate, for giving us a, a much broader picture of flirting than I ever expected to get. So thank you very much for that. Thank As you. I've invited you to be a witness on the meaningful life, I have to ask you what makes your life meaningful?
2: Do you know, I really believe it's being on this journey of learning how to open my heart. You know, I had, um, Various things in my life, as many people have had, you know, loss and death and of close people, and uh, my heart, you know, was quite closed in in many ways when i was when I was much younger through through some loss, and it's been this journey of learning how to open my heart, learning how to let people in, learning how to be more embodied and more intimate with myself and with others, and learning how to reach, express desires, live in joy being connected. And I I love the way fear actually is a tunnel of light that leads to more joy. So even though we call it in bridging and ABOG, another, am I allowed to swear or not on this?
0: Yes, go on, go for it.
2: Another bloody opportunity for growth. So (laughs) I, I, every time something is, you know, of course we all love it when it's all smooth, right? Of course. But every time something's difficult. What happens is, I'm led on something which takes me through this tunnel that seems difficult, and it comes out to this light place, and I've opened another piece that I might not have opened in another way. And I just think, what, what an amazing experience to be a human on this Earth right now, with all where we are at right now, which is that, you know, something that was absolutely unusual 20, 30 years ago, couple counseling, is normal and um, therapy to talk about what we're talking about and even flirting, frippery nonsense, frippery nonsense, right? <laughs> you Bless you, you're bringing me on. I think it's important, clearly, but you're bringing me on on this wonderful podcast to talk about this. Now, how lucky am I? I mean, I was at the weekend thinking, it has got all these important people, but hey, why not? You've brought me on. What a joy, what a love. I'm very grateful for life and to learn how to love. It's just the best thing ever.
0: Now. This is unfortunately where Kate and I have to say goodbye to people who are not members of our supporters circle, because in the supporters circle, the conversation continues. Kate just mentioned bridging, which is a a beautiful technique, and we're going to go into that in detail in the bonus material. If you want to find out how to continue listening, find out all about bridging and the three things that Kate knows deep down to be true... Well, here's details of how you do that.
1: You've been listening to The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. You can follow Andrew on Twitter, like him on Facebook, and please leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts healy sound engineering and theme tune by sebastian de la luz mendoza and i'm suzy please tell your friends and spread the word thank you